Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Men in Red Show. I'm John Aarons and I'm joined today by my co-host Drew Hom. How you doing, Drew? Very well, John. A lot of stuff to talk about. Really big show today, and I'm really excited for this one. Let's get right into it, shall we? So, our first guest has been completely swamped with all the Badgers news this week, but has generously offered to stop by and give us the absolute latest on an exciting week. Jake, how are you doing? Dude, I, I, you know, it, 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 it's been a crazy weekend. Just absolutely crazy. All right. Well, I think we have some imaging for this, Drew. Reporting from deep within the bowels of Camp Randall Stadium, Jake, ESPN's Todd McShay dropped Melvin Gordon completely off his round one mock draft today, replaced him with Georgia's Todd Gurley. I blame Diamond Stone committing to Maryland because Thomas Brown left Wisconsin. That's how bad it is right now. You can't settle on that if you catch my draft. You know, you know, you know, I would even say this one step further with Todd McShay being the hack that he is. This is the same guy, factually, that actually said Blaine Gabbert would be a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Let's see how that turned out, right? And let's go even further, saying Sheldon Richardson from the New York Jets was a head-scratching pick. Dude was only the defensive player of the year in 2013. You know what? You know, he, he doesn't understand. Todd McShay does not understand how to grade football players. He once saw a dog piss on a tree and he thought that he'd be a mid-round pick. You know why? Because he had a good stance. Melvin Gordon's tears, you know what they can do? They can cure arthritis. The man's a great God, a, a freak, a freak of nature, John. I'm just, it's, it's just, I'm throwing stuff. Uh, Jake, C.L. Gaglianone was injured during spring ball and couldn't practice for the last few days. Before. I mean, guys, come on. We've already done it once with Bart Houston. He, he punted. He was a quarterback. Tanner McAvoy, former quarterback, it only makes sense that he's going to go to kicker. I mean, the guy, all we hear about is athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. What? I mean, come on. If you're an athlete, you can kick the ball, right? It doesn't take that much. I mean, I see all these great soccer goals, and you see Daria Gumbawale and his little spinning ball trick, and he kicks it through. It can't be that hard. Tanner McAvoy is supposed to be one of the best athletes on the team. He's got to be able to kick the ball. I don't see why, why he wouldn't be our starting kicker. Sorry, but you're going to lose your spot to McAvoy. Well, obviously that was fake. <laughs> Welcome, Drew. I'm John. We're going to do a real show now. Not football, because football is just not important right now. It's all basketball, all the times. How are you feeling? I mean, after this past weekend, I'm feeling great. I actually got to watch both games from start to finish, which has been a rarity for me. And uh, I've already taken off Saturday night, so I'll be able to watch the Kentucky game. I Honestly, I don't think I've ever felt better about a Wisconsin basketball team than I do right now. Yeah, the, the confidence that I have in what Wisconsin is doing right now is has grown exponentially over the last couple of weeks. In the UNC game, I thought for sure they were going to lose when the UNC tied it up. I thought that was that was going to be it. There's been several times over the course of the tournament where Wisconsin was able to just beat teams that were only within single digits. And as we've said many, many times now, I believe it's been six times because this is our sixth show. <laughs> uh, it, 
it's very uncharacteristic of the Wisconsin teams that we've seen that you still believe even with a single point margin of um, a point margin between the two teams. Normally, I don't feel comfortable unless there's double digit points. And even then, you, you always feel like there's a you know a three or two away. That's that's how I felt in the UNC game. That's how I felt in the Arizona game. Where where are these threes coming from? Where where's where's this inevitable crush coming from? And it it never really came. Since we both threw in the towel against Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, I've kind of I haven't done that in any of these NCAA tournament games. I now simply believe that no matter how close the game is, Wisconsin's going to win. I mean, they always seem to be losing at halftime, and that doesn't bother me in the slightest. No, I, I, was, uh, my, I was watching the game with my sister, and she looked over at me at halftime expecting me to be in some sort of hyperbolic state of mind, and I was quite... And, and she she was a little surprised, having known me for majority of my life, that I wasn't freaking out more. And I, I told her, as long as Wisconsin keeps it within five points at halftime, it doesn't really matter. And in the first half, I wasn't I didn't really get worked up because I I just you know it was what it was. And, and that's kind of interesting. I it's really that you're almost waiting for that second half because the second half has been where everything's been clicking for Wisconsin especially this last second half. I mean, Bo Ryan is almost like the polar opposite of a, a Brett Bielema or a Gary Anderson in terms of his in-game adjustments. It's it's crazy to see the team come out in the second half and they almost immediately go on a run as soon as the ball is inbounded. Yeah, it's there have been several times this tournament where Wisconsin went on a six, seven, eight-point run right out of halftime. And that's, I mean, a lot of that is is coaching, but a lot, a lot of that is also, you know, the mentality of this team. And I, I think that this team, there's, it's just, a, it's just a special team. They have got an unbelievable chemistry. They all like each other. There's been very little drama. You have a you have a player like Trey Jackson who's been a, you know, a starter for for three years, who is just happy to be out there playing. And having someone two years younger than him completely control the team that he was supposed to control, and you know, the the whole makeup of the team is is pretty special. And there's a lot of there's a lot of parts to it that you don't normally see come together like this. And it's it's really something to watch. And it's you know, no matter what happens this upcoming weekend, this is this is right up there with the Russell Wilson team in terms of my favorite favorite sporting teams ever sporting teams my favorite uh teams i've ever watched in my time as a fan period i i think one of the things that makes this team so special and so likable and especially as we get deeper into the tournament and teams fall out and more media attention is focused on the badgers you really get to see their personality like nigel hayes is a legitimately funny dude Frank Kaminsky is the same. Like these guys have great personality. After the UNC game, Frank Kaminsky walked across the street from the Staples Center and was on Sports Center. And you know, I read 
an article that Bo Ryan saw that he had left and didn't seem to care where he went. Because he was like, yeah, he'll be back when he gets back. I mean, is Wisconsin the most viral college basketball team of all time? Potentially. There's and there's a lot of people that, that allow the team to get uh, the the content that we indulge and absorb as fans and the nation in general is absorbing as fans is really driven by a lot of the people in the communications department in Wisconsin, um, everyone from the, the people running the Twitter account for the, the main school who, who have, you know, a huge leash to do a lot of creative things from, you know, it admitted students who tweet at the school and they reply right back to interacting with other schools, Twitter handles where you feel like the other school is surprised and has to go find like a young person to go run the Twitter account whenever Wisconsin interacts with it. But, um, you know, Patrick, Patrick Herb is one of the probably the best media people in, in the business. And he does an unbelievable job at getting this team's personality out there. And I think that there, that, you know, there's a, there's a, very real sense of self-awareness with this team where they, you know, they can, they can kind of roll with it. And I think that's, I think it's because a lot of them are very savvy with the media. And I think that they've gotten a lot of attention, um, from the role Frank Kraminski was, I think they were kind of thrust so much into the national spotlight last year that this, this year they're all pretty much seasoned veterans. And, um, it's really, it's really showing and it's, it's really rewarding for, for people associated with the school to see such a such a good a good team with a good you know good attitude that are just bludgeoning people, which is what they're doing, and it's they're about as likable of a team you can possibly find, and obviously they're extremely good. That definitely doesn't hurt. No. So, final four has been set. How surprised I've been I've been meaning to ask you this. How surprised are you that Michigan State is in the final four? I. I guess I, I am surprised, but I, I shouldn't be. That's how I feel. Tom Izzo is a wizard and a, an excellent basketball coach. And this team that he has with, you know, it is a, a group of talented players. It's not like he's doing it with unheralded recruits. But this is probably one of his least talented teams in his time at Michigan State. It's the lowest seed that he's gotten to the Final Four. His previous lowest was a five seed. So, I mean, it's not like there isn't any precedent for this. Five seeds don't make the Final Four all the time. But when Izzo is your coach, you could conceivably have Michigan State as an 11 seed, and they'd probably make the Final Four. And is this his sixth or seventh Final Four? It's like his 800th Final Four. It's it's just amazing. I mean, the collection of coaches in this Final Four is is definitely something. I mean, it's – and we've said this before. It's – this is really – you know, the the Final Four was the only thing that Bo Ryan was really missing. And to now have back-to-back Final Fours, you know, is what this is going to do for the program. And his just, legacy. And his legacy in general is, you know, Billy, you look at someone like a Billy Donovan at Florida who hasn't really been able to keep the foot on the gas pedal from his program standpoint. But back-to-back national championships, and, you know, he had, he had a – I think that's a good comparison to this – to this team, I think that the Florida teams that went back to back, or that that had Noah and Al Hoford, those where they they just hit everything hit at the right time, and they were a pretty likable team. Noah was kind of like their Frank Kaminsky, except a little crazier. Um, 
and I think it it kind of cemented Billy Donovan as as a you know one of the better coaches in college basketball. And even though that hasn't been necessarily kept since his their national championships that they won, I think that there's definitely parallels to be drawn. They're both schools that are very focused on football, and basketball has always been kind of like the nice side dish that the schools have because they have you know big athletic departments with a lot of money to spend and and get and get you know two and three revenue sports out there but it's it's a tremendous it's a tremendous you know pin on the lapel of of Bo Ryan's legacy and I think that he's I I'm I'm happy for him because he's he's done the hard work to get to this point and he's probably only going to coach for a few more years and uh but he's he's left an unbelievable you know footprint on on a extremely important part of the kind of fabric of the university and uh I don't I don't really want him to retire and I'm I'm but it's uh it's going to happen eventually and I but it's amazing to to see someone who's put in that much work finally get the payoff you know this late in their careers and uh it's it's great. I'm re- I'm really happy for him. It's it's going to be in you know all the all the obvious uh, angles and, and stories will be written this week. I think you know the the Calipari one and done versus the development of of Bo Ryan will be a bigger one. I think that that's kind of an interesting thing uh, to compare and contrast. How do you see that the youth versus the experience kind of come into play? I think that there are definitely parts of basketball, I don't think basketball is quite as prone as football is to, you know, to, I think, I guess so what I'm trying to say is I think that in basketball you can get away with uh, being younger and not having as much experience and still having great success. It's not a little different than maybe football or, you know, some other sports where you kind of need that experience. How do you see those two things kind of leveling out? Well, it's funny. Uh, Kentucky, they they start a junior and two sophomores along with two of their prized freshmen. So it's not like this is just a, like a Michigan Fab Five scenario where it's just a bunch of freshmen running roughshod over the rest of the country. But Wisconsin, I mean, Kentucky clearly is a much more youthful team than the Badgers. The Badgers have two fifth-year seniors and two you know, fourth-year seniors who contribute heavy minutes. And I think this will, I think this will be played as it's a referendum on which system works better. Although one game is a poor example of that, I think even though Kentucky has a lot of excellent freshmen, I think what Coach Calipari has done with that team in terms of getting all of these alpha dogs to commit to kind of a, they've got a ten-man rotation basically. I think that's just as an amazing an accomplishment as what Bo Ryan does when he develops some of these unheralded guys into, you know, kind of spot starters, then regular starters, then all Big Ten performers. I think both of these coaches have something to be proud of, and whichever team comes out on top, that doesn't make one way better than the other. They're both two of the four best teams in the country this year and last year. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that they're both – I think that Calipari – generally gets knocked for getting, you know, 
gets the gets the better recruits. He's so good at recruiting. He has you know the resources of a of of a program like Kentucky to go get these players. Um, so he he has a leg up. But to to say that he just kind of throws everybody onto the floor and doesn't develop them, I think is definitely you know not cutting him enough of a um, or kind of cutting him a bit short. I think that it's a lot. You know, every single one of these teams. Uh, you know, represent some of the better developmental programs in the in the uh, in the country, and you can say what you want about about Duke in terms of getting people into the NBA who are you know meaningful and contribute. But the the fact remains that you know you go to Duke to develop as a player, and almost everyone does. And Wisconsin hasn't had that pedigree, but I think they're going to be looked at that way going forward. I think you know. If if Barry Alvarez does one thing very well, it's 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 making sure that his coaches are good at development, and he had it with Brett Bielma. Brett Bielma still, you know, for for all his for all his uh, foibles. Foibles. It's an excellent word. Uh, for all his foibles, he remains one of the better developmental coaches in the country, and that's why very Arkansas true. went and got him and. You know, you saw it with the strides his team took this last year, and how what he did with Wisconsin. With and I think that him and Bo Ryan are extremely similar. I think it's much harder to win a national championship in football than it is in basketball, just because there's a lot more pieces that go into play, and you got to hit on more more uh, more people than you do it with um, with basketball. But <laughs> I guess that's open for debate. I think that would be a fun discussion to have this offseason. Yeah, we should save that one for the dregs of the summer. Tabled for July. Tabled for July, that conversation. And and maybe some hot takes like we had earlier. We could bring those back as real takes. Yeah, real. They'll be hot takes because it's July, but actual. No, we have, we're going to have Phil on the show. And Phil, uh, Phil Mitten, a writer for uh, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, is going to kind of get get very granular to the individual matchups, but what, how do you see Wisconsin matching up against Kentucky from kind of a macro level, not as much on a matchup base, but um, it's kind of a team, you know, the Wisconsin has the best offense in the country by efficiency and Kentucky is the best by defensive efficiency and people who haven't been able to see who just haven't watched Kentucky until this tournament, I think have been pretty, you know, they, they're, they're the, they're the team with the, with the guys that block everyone. You know, you can't, you basically can't drive on them and, and score. Um, I think that there's that being said, I think that the slashers for Wisconsin are, are necessarily what the slashes are that have been having no success against Kentucky. I mean, the two best slashing players on Wisconsin's team are a six foot nine Sam Decker and a seven foot Frank Kaminsky. I mean, are that that's those are the slashers for Wisconsin. They're not little guards that are going to get blocked by you know a six foot ten or a six foot or a six foot eleven guy. What do you think about that? Hmm? <laughs> well. That, that question came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I think that's true. Wisconsin is one of the teams that they just they don't get their shot blocked because they are one of the tallest teams in the country. Now, Kentucky is equally as tall, if not taller at most positions. So 
Wisconsin will have to work even harder than normal to make sure they're not getting stuffed at the rim. But from a macro level, this is an extremely intriguing matchup because you've got a team like Wisconsin that doesn't give up any second-chance points and doesn't let teams get to the foul line except for Arizona when everything was called a foul in that game. And Kentucky is a team who lives off of second-chance points and lives off of getting to the foul line. So that's going to be a very important matchup to watch because even though Wisconsin's defense hasn't been the most efficient in the country, they've still been excellent at not allowing teams to just march to the charity stripe and rack up points while the clock stopped. And they also, when you shoot and miss, you don't get another chance until Wisconsin is done on offense. So that's going to be super important. And then you've also kind of got to look at Kentucky's defense, which is historically good. They just, they don't let you score easily. Their uh, effective field goal percentage defense is the best in the country. Their effective uh, three-point percentage defense is best in the country, although you can't really judge on that. That just means teams are missing a lot of three-pointers. So if Wisconsin's on, that won't be that big of a deal. But they also, they block a lot of shots and they steal a lot of balls. And those are two things that Wisconsin on offense doesn't allow to happen. So this is kind of going to be just the unstoppable force against the immovable object. And we'll see who ends up winning. It's going to be close. Yeah, I think from a defensive perspective, I think what you're going to see is a little similar to what we saw in the UNC game where there's just a lot of length and there's a lot of, you know, there's not a whole lot of passing lanes and and they're, you know, they're going to they're going to get in the way of of poorly, you know, thought out passes and even good passes like even, in the way even of. yeah, even good passes. So, I think that's going to be a little like UNC, if UNC was just a little bit bigger and had a little bit more of an idea of what they were doing on offense. So it, in that regards, that's kind of terrifying to me on some <laughs> level because UNC was the team that I, I was more afraid of the UNC matchup than I was for Arizona, which is why I didn't preview Arizona at all because I was so scared. Uh, but the... Yeah, I think I think the real key is that the size. I think it, I think it comes down to size. I think that you know Kentucky has exploited their size against teams that don't have size, and their Wisconsin is many things, but small is definitely not one of them. In fact, Kentucky is the one with the tiny person on their team. Wisconsin he's, is pocket size. He's pocket. Guard. He's a little guy from the south side of Chicago. And I don't know how he made it onto this team. Maybe he like went into the overhead compartment on a recruiting trip and just stayed there. But he, I mean, that, that is going to be an interesting matchup for whoever draws him, assuming it's going to be Koenig or, you know, Koenig's not small. Koenig's pretty big. Koenig's, what, 6'3 or 6'4? Mm-hmm. Um, Koenig's a big, a pretty good, good sized point guard, and Gasser is not. Is not big, but he's you know he's kind of burly. They're both six four. Yeah, so Wisconsin's guards are not are not small by any means, and Kentucky. I think I, this is not the matchup that Kentucky wanted in the semi. But I mean, this is 
they wanted Wisconsin in the finals if they were going to get Wisconsin. I think this is a this is a tough draw for Kentucky, and I think they know it. And um, let's just take a bunch of calls from Kentucky right now, shall we? No, yeah. no. <laughs> big Blue Nation. What do you have to say? Big Blue Nation. We would actually maybe get a call, even though we're not recording live. They would somehow come like a uh, like a bat signal into the sky. You would just put out. We were discussing. You're discussing your team, the Alabama of of college basketball. Here, come come with your come with your takes and your pitchforks and your pitchforks. Um. So I think uh, to end the show here, we'll talk a little bit about some accolades that a few Badgers have received. Sam Decker was named the West Region's Most Outstanding Player, uh, which was extremely well deserved, don't you think? Yeah, though it was somewhat surprising that they didn't just give it to Frank Kaminsky like normal for everything. Uh, but I, you know, he he deserved it. He, it's Sam Decker clearly has the killer gene in him. I mean, he he scored the game winning three pointer in a state championship game on the Cole Center as a senior, and he was that he was that killer in high school. And you you always know. You always knew it was there, so it's been to see that kind of come out, especially in this tournament. Though I think he just flashes; he just flashes it every once in a while. But it's a consistent back-to-back-to-back games where where Decker is becoming um, kind of the guy is something that we're not used to necessarily seeing. And I think when uh, with the group of people that I was watching the games this weekend. They were shocked that Decker kept beating his career high. Right, he back to back games. He set career high on the biggest of, stage possible. Twenty three and maybe what was it? Twenty seven points. And how is that possible that those those are the career highs? And I don't think anybody that has followed Wisconsin the last couple of years with Decker is surprised at all that those are his career highs because he he's he goes in spurts. You know, he's he's able to make a difference on in the game without necessarily scoring all the time. But when he does score, you can clearly you you see now what what sort of damage Wisconsin can do. I mean, they, that was one of the most damaging halves of offensive play in the history of Wisconsin basketball, and it happened in one of the biggest games in the history of Wisconsin basketball against a team that hasn't given up that many points per possession on offense in years in four years four years. And they gave up to a team in that sort of a game. So, yeah, I think very well deserved. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see what he does from an NBA perspective. Uh, him and Frank Kaminsky are clearly very close. It would be interesting to see if Decker decides to come back and, and pull a Frank Kaminsky. I think that he still has a lot to um, has a lot to work on. I've I talked on the last show about his his shooting. His shooting is never – he doesn't have a consistent shooting stroke, really. And uh, I didn't care about it on uh, on Saturday. But uh, you, he, he has another gear to him. And I think that if he were to come back, I think he would be right up there in the player of the year discussion, just like Frank Kaminsky was this year. And I think uh, th- that's going to be a, the big – one of the big stories to follow, for sure, of the next couple of months. And I'm sure we will discuss this further. On that July show that we talked about, yeah, we're we're hyping this July show. It's going to be July show one, is going to be a big one. It's the best show ever is going to happen on a sleepy weekend in July. 
the uh, the other recent accolade came down Monday afternoon. The AP All American team was announced, and in a surprise to absolutely no one, Frank Kaminsky was a member of that team. I mean, it's funny all this talk about Sam Decker. You you almost forget that Kaminsky scored more points than Decker did against Arizona, albeit on way more shots. But, you know, still, 29 points is nothing to scoff at against a team like Arizona. Uh, Kaminsky, first-team All-American. That is almost like, I feel like it didn't even need to be voted on. No, back-to-back first-team All-American honors for a Wisconsin player is almost as surprising as back-to-back Final Fours. And, you know, he's, I think, he's... You know, we'll probably talk about this on, uh, you know, off-season stories, and I'm sure the Bucky's fifth quarter will break it down as well. But Frank Kaminsky will go down, I think, as probably the best basketball player in the history of Wisconsin basketball. There aren't any other two-time first-team All-Americans, and Decker will not be able to do that. Frank Kaminsky has done it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about him? He's a, He's an unprecedented player, and... Again, like Decker, it'll be interesting to see where he where he eventually goes in the draft because if he was from Europe, he'd be a top ten pick, a, maybe a top two pick. I mean, he'd he'd be right up there with uh, with Okafor, and I I wonder what his perception is going to be. But that's again for that awesome show we're going to do in July. So, with that, I think we'll 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 close it out. Do you do you care to make a prediction about this about this game? I mean, in my bracket, I have Kentucky winning the national title, so I have them beating Wisconsin in this game. I, but in your heart, in my heart, I mean, I I don't see how you can pick against this Wisconsin team. No, I fully, I don't expect them to win, but I think Wisconsin is going to find a way to win this game. I think it'll be just like last year's game, probably come down to the last possession. And I think this time the luck is on Wisconsin's side and not Kentucky's. I think the Badgers win, let's say, 79-77. to 77. Yeah, I think the game's in the 70s. I think it's a one- or a two-possession game. And I think that, you know, I'm, there's, there's no reason to, to bet against Wisconsin. Wisconsin has, has, has proven over the entire year that they're able to, they're ready and able to play games against the top. And uh, this last couple of weeks here has proven it, especially this past weekend, um, holding really good teams at arm's length while still putting up impressive performances. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I'm hopefully going to be in, in the building for the game, and uh, I, will, I will be in a hotel room at the very least. And I hope I am also in, in a building. Uh, I've... I've always wanted to go to the Final Four, so I, this is about as good of a chance as I'm ever going to get. So I hope it. I hope it's not a uh, a curse of any kind that I, I'm going. I, I I think it can only help the team. No, I, my my college roommates have been asking me not to go the entire the entire week. I was uh, the only person who's not allowed to go, and I don't think he listens to the show. Is my buddy Zach Harrison? If you are an Indiana State Patrolman. Please keep Zach Harrison out of the state of Indiana. We will Wisconsin will lose, no questions asked, if he is in the building. I am, I am probably the Zach Harrison of my group of friends. 
Drew's just nodding sadly to himself. I can't know too many more Zach Harrisons. It's bad. Maybe maybe because the seats that we will never really get are going to be so far away from the court, it won't have that big of an impact. It's true. It's just like watching from a bar. Yeah. It's it's literally, it's like watching from, from um, I don't know, State Street to the Cole Center. I mean, that's about my view that I'm anticipating having. From the top of yeah. the Colt Stadium? Yeah, it's top of the Cole Center. It, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a terrible view, but... I'm excited to be there, and I really, uh, I'm, ex- I'm just excited. You, there's nothing else to say. Happy to be joined now by Phil Minton from Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Phil, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Happy to be here. I'm doing pretty good after a great weekend. Uh, good performance by the Badgers, obviously, and I uh, can't believe they're going to back-to-back Final Fours. Never thought that would happen. So, great weekend. So, uh, Phil, what went right for the Badgers this weekend against North Carolina and Arizona? The main thing, I guess, is Sam Decker found his alpha dog gene, um, and the team's kind of been riding on his shoulders uh, along with Kaminsky. Obviously, second half against Arizona, Decker couldn't miss, and that kind of carried them to victory. Just an amazing performance, and probably um you know the last nail in the coffin for Decker leaving school into the NBA draft he's just been super impressive um but also once again Wisconsin just as a team uh rising to the challenge answering the bell uh not getting discouraged uh when they are up against these uh very athletic and very talented very well coached teams uh, North Carolina and Arizona. Um, so just pretty impressive that uh, they've kind of stayed the course in uh, the postseason from Big Ten through now we're right back at the Final Four. It is pretty amazing to to see the Badgers back in the Final Four again. It was uh, also really nice to see Trayvon Jackson back in action. What, if anything, has he brought to the team with his return? It's that's kind of funny um, that you mentioned his return because when he came in to the North Carolina game um, and hit the three pointer like right away, um, I, I don't know that I believe in omens, but it seemed like a good omen for the team. And even some of the players mentioned after the game, they just were like, "All right, Trey's back, and we're good. You know, like let's go win a championship." that's kind of like the mindset that I think they had. And just a small thing like that, I think can give teams uh, some, you know, it's not really based in rationality, but it gives them extra confidence, just feeling like, all right, things are going our way. And uh, they've played with a little bit of swagger uh, in these two games. They've taken down some blue-blooded programs, and they definitely got their, you know, they got their hunting outfits on. They're going for Kentucky, and they're not afraid. And, that's kind of, I guess, another theme of the weekend is just the confidence of this team, the experience, and the business-like attitude, I suppose, um, that they're just really focused on meeting all their goals, and that includes the national championship. So, um, And this time of the year, you got to ride your stars, and, um, you know, that's Kaminsky and Decker. So uh, I think everybody's just glad to have Jackson back, even though he's, 
um, not going to be playing a lot of minutes. Like, you kind of get a sense that um, it was Koenig's team based on all those games that Jackson missed. And so uh, Jackson's just there, you know, kind of being that extra senior leader um, that they need to keep everybody pumped up and focused. Is that how you see him being used going forward against Kentucky? Yeah, probably pretty sparingly, maybe. Um, you know, I guess it would come down to foul trouble. Koenig's run into some foul trouble here and there. Um, I actually think the guard play obviously will be interesting against Kentucky because of the size, but Wisconsin's guards have pretty decent size. Um, I'm not quite worried about that, I guess. Um, but I could see in a late-game situation, Jackson uh, getting back in and having another ball handler on the court. That's the one scenario where I don't think Bo would hesitate to put him in. Um, you want a guy like that at the line. He's been a pretty clutch free throw shooter. We won't mention the three against Kentucky last year, but um, he, he's a good ball handler and um, you know pretty clutch player. So uh, that could come in handy, but... Other than that, I don't I don't see him taking too many minutes away from Koenig, Koenig sorry, um, just because Koenig's got a better outside shot, and um, I think that'll be key against when matching up against Kentucky. So speaking of excellent guard play, Wisconsin's you know fourth guard Zach Showalter gave the team some meaningful minutes this weekend. How did that happen? I guess is the question. Where was this all season? <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I mean, how can you not love this guy? He He's just like a football player on the court, kind of got that Josh Gasser mentality. Um, I'm pretty excited to see if he can fill that role that Gasser's had for uh, four or five years now um, when it's his turn next year. I, I don't know where it came from, to be honest, but I have thought about it a little, and Showalter has uh, athletic ability. I mean, he's, uh, you know, a good leaper and all that. And just thinking about the types of players he's been matched up with in these two games, where he's, uh, and even more during the tournament, but uh, just some of these long athletes where, uh, I guess a better way to say it would, would be Showalter often has been accused of being too hyper or, trying to do too much, and um, that's hurt him in the normal flow of the offense, but when Wisconsin is facing these um, great athletes, when Showalter's just going 110%, that's what you actually have to do to make plays against these type of opponents. I mean, and it's really hard to even pick out Showalter's best highlight of the tournament because he's had, it's hard to believe, but he's had quite a few. That post-entry deflection and steal, that might have been the best play he's made as a Badger. It was just like he just came out of nowhere, and you're just like, there's that dude again. He's he's going at it. Um, so that's been that's been pretty. That's a nice subplot to watch for Badger fans. For sure. Sure. Now going into this weekend's game against Kentucky, Kentucky is the consensus, you know, best team in the tournament, and has. Much has been written and said about Kentucky. How does Wisconsin, What in what ways does Wisconsin match up best with Kentucky, and maybe what ways do they match up worse? 
Yeah. Um, I guess I mentioned a little bit about the guards earlier. Um, I think it helps Wisconsin to have some good size uh, from Gosser and Koenig. Um I don't – the one thing that always worries me against Wisconsin guards are those those little uh, water bug type point guards who just can get that first step on the Badgers and get into the lane and cause a lot of havoc. Um, I think uh, the Harrisons are obviously really talented, but for some reason that just doesn't worry me as much against them. Um, I think they'll be able to body them up a little bit and keep them out of the lane. I think sometimes the Harrisons just kind of overpower smaller guards uh, to get in the lane and get you know, easy passing angles for those lobs. So I'm hoping that Gosser can do another number on uh, the Kentucky guards like he did on Marcus Page um, this past uh, this past week, which was a really great defensive job by Gosser. Um, also, offensive rebounding. Um, Badgers got a lot of second-chance points against Arizona, um, and they've got to keep that up, obviously, against Kentucky. Um that's going to be a key with all those big bodies against uh, Kentucky. Uh, Wisconsin throughout the year has been pretty good at offensive rebounding. Um, you know, there's nothing like what Kentucky's able to do on the offensive end of the court. Um, but Kentucky is vulnerable, a little bit vulnerable to giving up offensive rebounds, which is kind of an interesting thing uh, because of all their height and how good they are at getting offensive rebounds themselves. themselves. Um, so, you know, a guy like Sam Decker who really thrives on just kind of fitting into spaces and keeping the possession alive, uh, he's going to have to do a lot of that dirty work uh, that he's shown he's capable of doing this year. But if they can extend possessions, um, the Wisconsin offense is so deadly that if uh, giving him extra chances at points uh, is, I'm sure, something Kentucky will focus on. But I like that aspect for Wisconsin. Um, I guess the thing that would worry me the most is that the same thing on the other end. Um, Wisconsin's going to have to, you know, find a man body up and box out all these guys crashing the boards. Um, and that's going to be a tall task. Um, I think Nigel Hayes is really going to be, really going to be a key in this game if he can handle, uh, these, the bigger guys in the front court for Wisconsin. Um, and then obviously getting out and running, uh, Wisconsin's going to want to try to stay back and limit transition baskets, but how well they're able to control pace uh, in this one will be important as well. From a defense perspective, you talked about Gosser's work this past weekend and a little bit about what is going to be coming with the Harrisons and Tyler Ulis, who is their point guard, I believe. I think the Harrisons are more two guards, correct? Yeah. Uh, what? Which of the performances that Gosser had this past weekend were you more impressed by? Were you more impressed by his work versus Arizona uh, or, as you alluded to earlier, Marcus Page? I guess the North Carolina game stands out to me just because I remember watching Gasser a lot during that game and seeing how he was, you know, battling through screens and so on and so forth. Um, 
so that one sticks out to me um, just visually in my head. Um, but just watching Gasser, you can tell he's he's just not ready to not ready to be done playing, and that really shined through in his defense. Just he's given he's given it all the last effort he has. Um, but obviously, Badgers have played well enough uh, as a team to get by uh, both these teams, even though their defense is not a traditional uh, Wisconsin defense, not one of the top ones that they usually can hang their hat on. Um, and they've had to counter that by putting up some record-breaking offensive numbers. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, get past Kentucky with the playing the same kind of defense uh, that they have been. Um, I think everybody's going to have to kind of match Gosser's level, just fighting and battling and being being physical, being the aggressor against Kentucky, which is kind of hard to do um, just because they're so big and physical. Uh, <clears throat> moving across the backcourt for a second, does uh, Bronson Koenig need to score more than he did this past weekend? for him to truly have an effect on the game against Kentucky? I want to say yes. Um, I think maybe more importantly than scoring a ton more would be can he mix in some drives to the basket and um, open up some open threes on kickouts. Uh, Just because of Kentucky's length, they can close really fast on the perimeter. um, And actually, they're... uh, three-point defense is the top in the country, you know, just a little bit over 25%, 26% they're allowing from three-point land. Um, so I think that's going to be a key. Can Kana get into the lane, finish? He seemed, he played pretty well against Kentucky last year, uh, obviously a smaller role, but he was very impressive. Um, so you'd have to think he he's kind of in that same, same mold as these other guys are They've proved themselves to be gamers. Um, I think he can do it. It's just a matter of executing and finishing at the rim. Um, So it would be nice to get a little more production out of him. But as we've seen, he's kind of uh, hit those big three-pointers, even if he hasn't had a good scoring game. He always manages to stick something in the second half that really gets the team going. So that's worked for him so far. Obviously, um, even more scoring would be great, especially if it comes uh, giving them a dynamic that they don't have uh, other than Decker has obviously been able to get to the rim quite well as well. All right, we're going to put you on the spot. Phil, what is your prediction for this game? Oh, come on, guys. Uh, It's only only Monday night, isn't it? What is your day prediction for this game? We'll check in yeah, in two I'll, days. Um, today I'm riding a wave of Badger pride. I would I would say that Wisconsin pulls this off. Um, I think it'll be a game in the 70s, and I, I think they can do it, honestly. Um, I, I don't like that Notre Dame took Kentucky so far down to the wire, um, just because I think that can kind of be a wake-up call for teams sometimes. Um, so part of me was disappointed that I uh, was hoping to catch was catch uh, Kentucky sleeping a little bit, but 
Um, I've just been impressed with the Badgers' ability to win in close games, and um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be another close game here. And as of Monday, I like Wisconsin to win and go play for the national championship. We like that you uh... a bold pandering pick from <laughs> Phil Mitten, pandering <laughs> greatly to the listener that we have. Our one listener is going to be very excited to hear your uh, your your pick for this game. Yes, very excited. Your wife's going to be. All right, Phil, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, keep up the good work. All right, thanks, guys. So that'll about do it for the sixth episode of the Men in Red Show. Follow us on Twitter, at Men in Red Show, and make sure to give us a comment or two in the comment section of the Bucky's Fifth Quarter show article. Um, if you want to review us on iTunes, won't say no to that either. Any criticism, any comments are more than welcome. So please, please let us know how we're doing. Suggestions for shows, things you want to hear, anything and everything is welcome. Thank you, and we will talk to you next week.